Second Timothy 1 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Isaiah 26 3 says, He will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach me to number my days aright, O Lord, that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 46.10 says, God is our, rec- our, our rock and our refuge, an ever-present help in time of trouble. John 14.6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Psalm 119.9.11, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You know, these verses and and many, many, many others have been a huge help to me over the years. God has used those verses and many, many others out of his word to be brought to bear in my life at different times through the Holy Spirit, to correct me when I get off on the wrong path, to comfort me when I'm sad or crushed in spirit, to strengthen me when I feel weak, to convict me, to encourage, to inspire, to assure. God's word is is powerful, and God promises us to use it in our lives. Isaiah 55.11 states, God's word will not return to him empty. It will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. Today we're continuing our sermon series, 40 Days in the Word. And over the past few weeks, we've started the series. The first week, we looked at how to build our lives upon the foundation of God's Word. Last week, we looked at the reliability of Scripture. How can we know this is God's Word? How can we trust it? We looked at evidences both in the Scripture, but also outside of the Scripture, kind of strengthen our our trust and our belief that it is the Word of God. Well, today we come to the topic of how God's Word changes us. And we're going to begin with that topic after I open in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promise that it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it. So today, God, we simply ask that your word would take root in our heart and our lives and our church, um, that increasingly we would become people who reflect your values, your priorities, your character, your qualities, your, your love and grace and mercy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. UPS uh, has a memorable kind of catchy slogan that I'm sure pretty much everybody here would recognize from the commercials. What can Brown do for you? Uh, We're not talking about Carl Brown today either. What can Brown do for you? Well, Well, this morning we're looking at what can the Bible do for you? And of course, the next few minutes, we're going to be looking at how the Bible can actually change our lives if we allow God's word to do it. Our scripture this morning is from Luke chapter 8. I'm going to encourage you to turn in your Bibles if you have one. You can watch on the screen or if you want, there's Bibles in the chairs in front of you, every other chair. Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 4, going through verse 15. Luke 8, starting at verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering, 
people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. Our farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When Jesus said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 9. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that, though hearing, they may not see. Though hearing, excuse me, though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Jesus said, This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, this parable is known by a couple different titles. One is the parable of the soils, and one is the parable of the sower and the seed. Whatever you call it, this parable is about hearing and receiving and applying God's word. It's a familiar story in context, one which we being Kansans ought to quickly understand. It doesn't take much to figure out as Jesus gives us a very clear explanation of what this parable means in verses 11 through 15. Jesus said, people are like soil and God's word is the seed. People can receive God's word with a, with a soft heart, a fertile heart. People can receive God's word with a hard heart, like hard-packed soil, clay. They can receive God's word with a, a distracted heart, where things of life come in, the weeds come in, and they, they choke out God's truth in their life. Or they can receive God's word with a, with a fickle heart, which we would call shallow soil. But what, is God, what is Jesus saying about God's word here? Why is it so important for us to receive it? How can it change our lives and make a difference? What can God's word do for you? Listen to what Jesus says in verse 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Now, now the devil, Jesus says, comes along and, and takes away the seed uh, as, so, as soon as it's been sown in certain people's lives. Because the devil knows that God's word is powerful that God's word reveals the way of salvation, that it transforms lives, it renews minds, it, it gives us perspective, it's, it helps us to understand who God is and, and how the world works and, and who we are and how to treat and, and, and perceive other people. Jesus himself said in the gospel according to John that, that, the, that God's word is spirit and it is life. So if we want to see God's word change our lives, the first thing we need to do is to be like the soil that is soft and receptive. We need to seek, seek to understand God's word. 
And I want to make something clear about understanding the Word of God. It's not primarily about a matter of intellect or intellectual capacity. In other words, it's not like trying to understand quantum physics. Only a select few with a certain IQ can really grasp that complex theory. The ability to understand the Word of God is not a function of the intellect. It's the result of, of seeking understanding, of seeking to know and apply God's Word, of asking God to, to bring His Word to life. Psalm 119 again, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. God promises us when we seek to understand His Word, when we ask Him for, for understanding, He will grant it in His time and in His way. So if we say we want to grow spiritually, but we don't seek to understand and know and apply God's word, we're really just a bunch of hot air. For example, we see it all the time. You could see two people sitting in the same church all their lives. They hear the same sermons. They sing the same songs. They hear the same scripture read. They recite the same prayers. They're part of the same Sunday school discussions. And one person receives God's word and seeks understanding and applies God's word and over the course of their life, they become radically changed. They use their time and their money differently. They, 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 they re- respond to, to certain circumstances differently. They become more and more like the person of Christ. On the other hand, a person can sit in the same church, same sermons, same scripture, same songs. But if it's in one ear and out the other, and they don't seek to understand and apply it, over the course of their life, there will be little change. Jesus says that our hearts can be like that and our lives can be like that. But if we seek to, to, to apply and know God's word, we will be changed. There's a story about John Wesley, the uh, great 18th century preacher who spent most of his life riding a horseback through the U.S. and uh, the United Kingdom, preaching the gospel. And one night as he was riding through a wood, um, a man stopped him and demanded his money. Wesley gave him what money he had, and as the man turned to make his getaway, Wesley said, I, wait, I have one more thing to give you. And he said, my friend, you may live to regret the sort of life that you're leading. And if you ever do, then remember this, that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you of your sin. The robber ran away into the night, and Wesley continued his journey. Years later, at the close of a Sunday evening service, a stranger came forward and said he wanted to meet Wesley. And Wesley recognized him as the man who had robbed him so many years before. And the man was no longer a thief. He was a successful businessman, kind of a pillar in the community. And he told Wesley how that short word from God on the night of the robbery had taken root in his heart and he had examined his life and it led to his conversion. And he ended by saying, To you, dear sir, I owe it all. Wesley responded, No, not to me, but to the precious blood of Christ, which cleanses us from our sin and from the power of his word. When we make the choice to seek to understand the word of God, we will experience a change of heart. Not just salvation, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, a change in priorities and values, a change in how we treat others, how we view others. What can the word of God do for you? It can change your heart. Secondly, if we let God's word take root in our life, it will give us the strength and the wisdom to overcome the challenges in our lives. Verse 13, Jesus says, Those in the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. 
They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. You know, as a pastor, I've done countless funerals for people who are committed Christians, and I've done funerals for those who rejected Christ. And let me tell you, there's a remarkable difference in the tone and the feel of those funerals. There's a remarkable difference in in the way those families, each family, respond to the situation. And I've been in hospital rooms with people who love Jesus and people who don't, who are facing cancer. And let me tell you, there's a remarkable difference in the way that respond to that disease. You name the problem, and I've known people on both sides who have faced it. Divorce, death, rebellious children, sickness, loneliness, poverty, failure. And there is an astounding difference in the way that each group faces these problems. The difference is a deep-rooted anchor of God's Word. Now, the Word of God never promises that we will not go through life and face problems. In fact, it says quite the opposite. It says, Jesus said himself, in this world you will have many struggles, many problems, many issues. But Jesus then says that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world and that we can overcome as we apply and listen to and seek God's words in our lives. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad because these trials will make you partners with Christ in his suffering. And afterward, you will have the wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it is displayed to all the world. If we allow God's word to take root in our life, day after day, year after year, decade after decade, we will find the strength and we will find the wisdom to deal with the problems that will come in our life at some point. We take it, it takes root through repetition, through study, through memorization, through applying, through meditating. That's what God's Word can do for you. Thirdly, if we keep God's Word a priority in our life, it will help keep the rest of our life prioritized properly. Jesus said in verse 14, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go in their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So in other words, Jesus says, these people hear God's word and they accept it. They say, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds true. There's a ring of truth to it. But over a period of time, they allow things to come into their life that become more important. Things like financial concerns, career advancement, a nice home, the ultimate vacation, social media, relationships, etc. And those things become more and more important, and over time they crowd out and choke out God's Word in their life. Jim Dennison, pastor of a church in Texas, tells a story of when he was in college as a, as a summer missionary in East Malaysia. He was in a worship service, and a young woman came forward to receive Christ and to be baptized, which he thought was awesome. A little bit later in the service, he noticed up against the church wall there was, there was some luggage, which just seemed kind of strange, worn-out luggage. And he, and he asked the pastor, leaned over and whispered in his ear, what's the luggage for? And the pastor of the church pointed to the same girl and said, her father said if she was baptized as a Christian, she could never go home again. So she brought her luggage. She understood what comes first in life. It's with the same sense of urgency of priority that we need to live our lives, our relationship with God, based upon the foundation of his word, hearing, knowing, applying, 
obeying his word. That is to come first, Jesus says. Everything else, though it can be very important, is secondary. Stephen Covey, author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, shares an illustration many of us have seen or heard. Um, he said he was in a, a seminar and a leader pulled out this, this large gallon jar, a wide mouth, and he, and he began to put a lot of rocks into it, as many as he could fit into it, and then he asked the, the, uh, the audience, is it full? And everybody said yes. And he smiled and he poured some gravel and he says, is it full? And they said, they're catching on to there's something more to this. And they said, probably not. And then he got some sand and he filled in some sand. He says, is it full now? And they said, no. And, and they were right because then he filled it up with, with water to the top. And he said, what's the point of this illustration? And somebody said, well, there are gaps in our lives. And if we really work at it, we can always fit in more into our lives. And he said, that's, that's not the point. The point is this, if you don't put the big rocks in first, you never get them in. You'll make sure that you get the big rocks in your life first. And the Word of God is the, is the big rock that we are to build our foundation upon, to build our life upon. The rest is, is simply filler, nice things, but if we allow them to be first, over time there will not be room for God's Word. So if we want to see our life changed by the Word of God, we have to make it a priority. Fourthly, if we live according to God's Word, it will produce a harvest of spiritual fruit in our life. Jesus said in verse 15, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the Word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. I just, uh, about a week ago, spent most of the afternoon plowing up, rototilling about half of our backyard. Uh, the reason being is uh, when we moved into our house a few years back, there was a pool in the backyard, which was nice for a while, but we kind of got tired of the, of the hassle and the chemicals and all that, so we filled it in, and, and, which was nice. No more hassle that way. But the problem is the area where the pool was is, is compacted. It's kind of compacted clay, and... and and we, we've tried to grow grass there, and for whatever reason, it's just not working. It'll shoot up in the spring and the fall. It'll look nice. We go away on vacation, come back at the end of July, grass is dead. Maybe you've had that experience. Uh, but the problem is, 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 is that it's, the ground is so hard and so compact that it'll grow down to a certain way. You, know, you get the roots about this deep. It'll look green and everything when it's nice. But the heat comes, the drought comes, whatever, and it, be, and it shrivels up. It can't handle it because the roots aren't deep enough. You know, in our lives, sometimes what we need to do to produce a, a harvest for, for Christ is we need to step back and plow up the areas in our life where, where we're hard-hearted. Maybe we have a, a, we have a, a hard heart towards um, our, our, somebody in our family. Or we have a hard heart regarding our finances. We don't want to let go of those things. We have a hard heart about our future. We, we want to try to control our future, whatever it might be, or, or a favorite sin in our life. If we want to see God's work work in us, we have to step back and do the hard work of introspection, of looking at God's Word, of prayer, of asking for input from others, of doing the evaluation of how we're doing. Will our life produce a harvest for Christ? Jesus says, if we sow the Word of God on good soil, soft, plowed up, supple, humble soil in lives, that our lives will make a difference for eternity regardless of our station in life. 
You know, Jesus told this parable as sort of a warning, but also as an encouragement. Because God's Word does change lives. This morning I'm going to conclude with, you may have noticed there's two posters up here. Charlie Fiorello, a young guy in our church, has been helping us with some of the props. And there's two posters up here. On this side, if you can't see it, there are words like shame, guilt, death, despair, bondage, loneliness, sin, striving, and darkness. Represent our life before, before Christ, before we allow God's Word to speak to us. On this side, we see words like joy and love and grace, forgiveness, purpose, peace, hope, rest, and life. And so what it means to us this morning is, is what does God's Word say to us when we're experiencing shame and guilt? God's Word says, If anyone confesses their sin, that Jesus Christ, who is faithful and just, will cleanse us of our sin and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Jesus, God's Word also says to us when we feel shame and feel like we're worthless, God's Word says to us, Behold, manner of love the Father has given us, that we can be called the children of God because that's what we are. When we feel like we're in bondage, there's a behavior in our life that we cannot change is dragging us down and we hate that about ourselves. God's word says to us, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When we feel like we're striving, trying to earn God's love, trying to earn other people's love and acceptance, God's word says to us, you are saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. When we are struggling with sin, God's word says to us, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. When we're lonely and afraid, God's word says to us, the Lord draws near to those who are crushed in spirit and saves those who are afraid. And when we are afraid of death or facing death, Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, I'm the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, though that person dies, yet they will live forever. What can God's word do for you? God's word can take you from this and take you to that. Provide purpose and joy and love and grace and hope and rest and life.